From Church on Morgan, a United Methodist congregation whose desire is to be a reminder of the beauty of God and each other. This podcast is a collection of Sunday teachings inspired by the Revised Common Lectionary and recorded weekly in Raleigh, North Carolina. And now a moment of silence before this episode begins. Good morning, everyone. I know what you're thinking. Justin looks different. Um, It's not. It's me. Uh, My name's Britt. All my friends call me Beans. Um, And now you're all my friends, maybe, hopefully. Um, And I'm a pastor at a church in Los Angeles called New Abbey. And uh, just longtime friends of Justin and fans of what y'all are doing here at Church in Morgan. So it's an honor to be with you this morning. Thank you for allowing me to share space with you all. Um, yeah, let's have um, a little bit of conversation. I'm excited. I'm really excited about being around. There's going to be a lot of <laughs> moving already. I'm like, I'm getting dizzy. Are you getting dizzy? Should I just pick a point? But someone's going to get a weird angle. So I'm going to figure it out here. Um, we're going to do it together. It's fine. Uh, we are going to be in the book of Luke. Um, Chapter 23, starting in verse 33, goes like this. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do, know, do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, uh, Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this is the crucifixion story as we find it in the book of Luke. And this story for me... um, has a lot to it and echoes something that I think is absolutely fundamentally a part uh, of what the scriptures as a whole are trying to tell us and the gospels are telling us. And it's a part of the story that for a long time I missed. And I missed it uh, because I was looking for something else. And to explain that more, I need to take a second to talk about Harry Potter. Any Potter fans? Four Harry Potter, it's okay. Um, There's still time. I mean, they've been out for over 20 years, but there's still time. Um, And so Harry Potter, when it came out, I was like right around the age uh, where I was ready to read it. But I got a late start. So I started reading the books after a lot of my friends. And so I was behind, and one of my friends had already finished. She finished way ahead of me. And she told me, she said, hey, just a heads up, at the very end, okay, this isn't a spoiler, in case you haven't seen it, but you've had, you have had 20 years. So, um, and she said, hey, by the way, at the very end of the books, Harry Potter wakes up, and he's in the cupboard under the stairs, and it was all a dream. And I'm like, what? 
if you don't know Harry Potter, that's how it starts. And then he goes on this like magical journey and he like has the fight of his life. Um, and it doesn't end with him waking up still in the cupboard under the stairs. It wasn't a dream, that's not real. But that's what you told me. So now I'm reading the rest of the books imagining that that's how it's ending, right? And with that frame in my mind of like, this is where it's going, I read the whole thing differently. And then imagine my surprise when I got to the end of the books and that wasn't how it ended, which is a weird joke to play on someone. <laughs> And my immediate response was like, well, I texted her, like, what was up? Um, but my second immediate response was like, I need to go back and I need to reread all the books. I need to read it again because now I have a different lens and now I want to see what I missed because I thought it was something about something, but it was really about something else. And sometimes that's how I feel with the crucifixion story and sometimes that's how I felt with scripture. I don't know if any of you in this room feel like this, but growing up, I feel like I was handed a lens that at a certain point I realized in reading it on my own, I don't know if that's what it's about. And so some things that I were told about the crucifixion story uh, was this is a really bad thing. And because of this really bad thing, I need to have better behavior. And that was just the tone of my youth group in the 90s, right? And then I start rereading and rereading and reading scripture with this new lens and new eyes, wondering if I was open to hearing anything that this had to say, if I was open, if I didn't have an idea of where it was going or someone didn't tell me what I should be looking for, what would I find? So I've been on this journey for years and years and years of rereading and rereading and reading scripture because I know it is as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. And what might it have for me? And I find all sorts of things, but one thing I keep finding is that scripture is very, very concerned with something, and it's very concerned with power. It's very concerned with how we see power, how we understand power, and how we think power might come into the world. And so we have this crucifixion story where they are mocking Jesus, saying what? Show your power, save yourself, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you supposed to be powerful? Why are you on this cross? And then we have other temptation scripture. Almost all temptation scripture has to do with power. The original temptation in the garden wasn't, hey, do you want to party really hard, which is kind of what I imagined it was. Um, It was, hey, don't you want to be powerful? Eat this thing and you can have power. Jesus' own temptation was he, when he was in the garden, was throw yourself down, have angels catch you, show us your power, right? And now here he is on the cross and they're saying, aren't you powerful? And so there has something to say about power. We're supposed to get something here. So as I take this in the context, just earlier in this book in Luke, in chapter 9, there's a story, and you may may be familiar, where um, Jesus is coming down from the mountain, and there's a family, and they bring their son, the demon-possessed boy, and they say, can you help him? We asked their disciples, and they couldn't do it. Can you heal him? And Jesus is like, sure. And he does, and everyone's really happy. And then after, he looks to his disciples and says, oh, how many times am I going to have to go through this with you? You, Ye of little faith, uh, you know, why couldn't you do this? And that scripture was always hard for me, right? Anyone familiar with that? Oh, ye of little faith. Because I always felt like, well, if there was a, a healing that I wanted to be part of in the world or something I prayed for or something I wanted to do and I couldn't, it was my lack of faith, my lack of belief, and it was hard for me to, to reconcile and understand that. And as I'm reading this whole story through the lens of trying to understand what Jesus is saying about power, what scripture is telling us about power, I realized that just before that, There are other demon possessions in the Gospels and the Luke, and the disciples are always able to help except for this one. And then I read that just before that happened is the first time that Jesus introduces the idea that he's going to the cross. 
So Jesus introduces the idea that he's going to cross, and now the disciples have a lack of confidence. And could it be that they thought they were following Messiah who was on a road to power, and they just found out that they are following Messiah that is on a road to suffering? And that will shake our confidence. That does something different when we think we're following someone who's going to bring a hammer, and we're following someone who is headed to a cross. And could it be that Jesus' work and road was trying to tell us that a road of suffering is a road of power? That in all the ways that power is tempting to us, to the disciples, to Jesus, is power as we thought it showed up, and Jesus comes and shows us power as he sees it, which is a road of suffering, is a road of power. That the power of Jesus on the cross is so much more revolutionary than I ever thought. I thought the power of the cross was I'm doing this really hard thing so that you could feel better, so that you could change your behavior. The power of the cross is watch me take on all the violence without giving violence in return. Watch me take on oppression. Watch me fight systems of oppression without uh, becoming an oppressor. Watch me confront power systems without hoarding any power for myself. Watch me experience trauma without giving trauma in return. That is revolutionary. That is very important for us to understand in our world in 2022 today, basically 2023. We've reached the point where every email just says, I'll get back to you next year, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're there. We'll just stop sending the emails at this point. So as we see Jesus on the cross giving us this revolutionary instruction about how we understand our own power, our power comes through the transformation of our own suffering. If we want to be a part of the healing and the transformation in the world, it's going to come through the transformation of our own suffering. The power of Jesus on the cross says you don't have to become the very thing that hurt you, and that is incredibly important for us to understand. That what Jesus goes on to do, obviously, after the crucifixion is resurrection, to say there is life after death, there is joy after pain, there is freedom after fear, there is happiness after suffering, there is something after this, but you must go through Friday to get through Sunday. And if you understand how to go through Friday, then you are equipped to bring healing to other people who are experiencing Fridays. That our work of transformation that our work of understanding power, that our work of changing our suffering to something that will equip us to heal and change the world is some of the most important work I think we can do in the world. Richard Rohr says it this way, he says, if you don't transform your pain, you transmit your pain. And we all know this to be true. How many of you have experienced something in childhood, you know, like, as a parent, I will never do this, and then one day you're like in the middle of doing it, and then you're like, Whoops, <laughs> right? Or we've experienced pain of some way, and the next thing we know, we are exhibiting that pain onto the world, or we have fought systems of oppression, and the next thing we know, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I want people to hurt because I'm hurt. I am hurt, so I want you to hurt. And the power of Jesus on the cross is saying, watch me take on hurt without giving hurt. That is the revolutionary message of the cross. To saying the suffering that you have experienced, you do not have to give out, but you have to be a part of the transformational work of turning that suffering into power, and that looks like sitting with it, and being in it, and working through it, and not avoiding it, 
By saying the things I experience from people in power, when I get into a position of power, I will not put those things back on that person. The things I experience from adults as a child, when I interact with children, I will not put that on them. The things I experience in relationships, when I get in relationships, I will not do that again. The things that I experience, I will not do that. But all that requires me sitting with my own suffering in therapy or spiritual direction with community, however you do it. That is the road that Jesus is inviting us in on. Not about watch me do something for you so that you can have better behavior or watch me do something and then so you don't have to do it. It's follow me. Watch me fight something hard without putting that on other people. As I look around the world today and I think what relevance the scripture still has, it has every relevance. Because what I see again and again and again in the world are hurt people who are hurting people. And we've all heard that. Hurt people hurt people. And I think the opposite is true. I think transform people transform people. We have an opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be a part of the transformation of the world. We have a part, we have an opportunity to sit with our own suffering and then be able to sit with those who are suffering in the same ways that we are. We have an opportunity to take on experiences without giving those in return, and that is incredibly important. That is what the world that I want to live in. I live in Los Angeles in 2022. It's a wild place. You all are in Raleigh in 2022. We are watching socially the past two years have been wild. Anyone been around since 2020? Okay. As a community, as a society, we are trying to collectively figure out how do we confront systems of power? How do we confront things that aren't right? Individually, so many of us are like, all the things in my relationship and family that I was trying to hold under the surface, we got locked in a house together for 18 months and they are all at the top, right? And what do I do with that? All the ping pong balls I was trying to hold underwater, they're all now floating over the top, socially, personally, in my family, and everywhere I look, right? Everything has come to the surface, and I think that is a beautiful opportunity to look at the story and the life and the message of Jesus to say, okay, I have an opportunity to go down this road, to fight these systems, to address this trauma, to face the suffering so that I will not be a part of putting it on the next generation. So that I won't bring it into my relationship, so that I don't bring it into my marriage, so that I don't bring it into my society. And that's incredibly relevant. Every single person in here has been on a road of suffering, of some kind. I say all the time, being human is the hardest job any of us will ever have. Hard is the price of admission. I don't know what your heart has been, I don't know how hard it's been, and I don't know what part of the journey you are on, but hard is the price of admission. Everyone in here has experienced a Friday. And that is incredibly important when we are talking about understanding your road of suffering as a road of power. That Friday is the only way to Sunday. I'm saying in a room who, of people who experience a community, as a community are grieving, as a community are experiencing suffering, and it's incredibly important. How do you do this as a community? How do you do this as yourself? How do you understand the road of suffering? There's an old uh, rabbi who says there are two great roads in life, the road of love and the road of suffering, and if you walk one of them long enough, you realize it's the same road, right? We're gonna be in this game. 
What Jesus is telling us is you are going to suffer. That is inevitable. How you respond to that suffering is everything. How you respond to that suffering is how you get to resurrection. How you respond to that suffering is how you get to healing the world. How you understand that as power is how you get to join me in the healing and the transformation by seeing that suffering as power. And so that's my invitation to us this morning. It's a grim invitation. Sometimes I wish I, could, I was like a prosperity preacher because <laughs> it'd probably be more fun. <laughs> It'd be more fun like being like, hey, you know, you're going to get a million dollars is more fun than like, you just got to go deeper into your suffering. Um, and that's, that's the thing. What a better gig. But um, that is my invitation for us today. This is I read the, the message and the truth in the life of Jesus. I see him saying, oh, it's possible. It's possible to fight an oppressor without becoming one. It's possible to live a life where you don't become the things that hurt you. It's possible not to pass on the suffering that you've experienced. It's possible to transform the people around you. Those are incredibly easy words to say, um, an incredibly hard life to live, but I think uh, that's the narrative that we follow, and that's what Christ is calling us to. Um, And that's the work that I want to be a part of, um, and that's the work that I want to see done around me. So I am very notoriously, my whole church knows, I am the worst sermon ender. Um, is it a <laughs> is it a curtsy? Is it a I don't know what's traditional for your is it a, is it a, a slow walk as I strum the upright bass on my way out? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining today. If this episode has been meaningful to you, would you take a moment to share it with a friend? To support this ministry or learn more about our community, visit us at churchonmorgan.org.